You are listening to Studying Pixels, a cat content podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simond. I'm a game studies scholar from Germany. I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. We had in school always this one person who was really good at imitating a cat. <laughs> He's always like, you know? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was this, was this just your experience or is this a prerequisite for German schooling that one yeah. kid must be the cat? <laughs> yeah, one kid must play the cat. <laughs> and the thing is, he used to do this in lessons to irritate especially our religion teacher. Because the, ses the lessons, they would sometimes be boring. And then in the middle of the lesson, he would be like, and then perfect. And then the teacher would be like, was that, was that a cat? It's like, what, where is it? And he would like search along, let a cat. He would search oh, along wow. the windows everywhere. And he'd be like, where's he thought there was a cat stuck behind a heater or something. <laughs> the perfect distraction, just like a cat would do. <laughs> That's man. I'm really glad that I don't teach in like middle school or something. You have to have nerves of steel if you teach that. Yeah, that's, I mean, as tough as, as tough as university students must be, it doesn't hold a candle to late elementary to middle school kids. <laughs> <laughs> if any of my students start meowing in the middle of the class, I'm going to just have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I want to say one thing briefly before we start with our conversation on Stray, which is obviously why we are constantly referencing cats here. I just want to <laughs> give a brief shout out to the drummer of my band, Felix. Mm. We actually have the situation that he's moving away and oh. we're, we played together for about eight years now. Wow. And we had a really great time and we had a little goodbye celebration yesterday and I wanted to um, just give him a little shout out here because I know that he's usually listening to our shows. So this is my way to say thank you to Felix for this wonderful time, for these many, many years of making music together. It was a great joy, and I wish you all the best. Oh, that's lovely. Well, eight years. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive for a band sticking together. It is usually the case that if you are a band and you're not striving for great success, then at some point it's going to break apart. People are moving away which is the case here in the scenario as well. Yeah. And it's rare for a band to stick together for that long. And we really had a kind of special groove going that was super precious. That's fantastic. Well, hats off. Of course, if you like this show and you want to help us make it happen, then you can support us by joining Studying Pixels Plus. There you can get all of our episodes entirely ad-free. You'll get a lovely sticker and monthly plus episodes. If you're curious about that, then head over to studyingpixels.com slash plus to find out more. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today, we're going to talk about Stray, a tiny little video game that made it pretty big on the internet. A lot of conversation has already been done, and we kind of waited a little bit until the hype blew over, and we had the time to properly sit down with the game, go through it, platinum it, both of us did that, and mm -hmm. then analyze it a little bit. That's what we're going to do in this episode, but first, we should mention that Stray has been developed by a studio called Blue 12 Studio, and this was founded by two people, Colas Cola and Vivian Mermet-Guinet. I apologize for potentially mispronouncing those names. Yeah, I was gonna say, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yes, I'm just flying blind here. Yep. <laughs> These are both former employees at Ubisoft Montpellier, and so they were kind of, that's the story that I got from it. They were getting a little bit exhausted with working for AAA Productions, and they thought, we're going to do something of our own, a little studio with a very specific project, and that project turned out to be kind of the cat game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Having a cat explore a cyberpunk world, and they started developing it in 2015 already. That's when they did their first prototype. They worked on it for a long time. They got it published now by Annapurna Interactive, on 19th of July this year, and it's out on PS4, PS5, and Windows. We both played it on PS5, right? Yes, yes. And I should say, uh, Annapurna was the excellent choice for <laughs> publishing this game. Annapurna think, uh, seems to be the kind of publisher that really gives such projects a huge boost while not getting overly involved in it. I don't think I'm the first to make this comparison, but are you familiar with the film studio A24? I uh, might be, but I'm not consciously. <laughs> they make um, they made uh, um, Hereditary, Midsummer, The Lighthouse, these kind of movies that um, are so brilliant, and they feel like they wouldn't have been made in a regular sort of studio world. So it's an A24 film. You know, you're getting something quality and a little strange. And I feel that it's very similar with Annapurna Productions, where it's very niche but very good and very fun. It's sometimes really important for a publisher just to understand that creators are going to create, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's really good to just let them do their thing. Obviously, there are financial limitations and stuff, but uh, people can work around those. And not getting too involved with the details, not forcing in any kind of microtransactions or DLC, or it would have been so easy for Blue 12 Studios here to put in something like, you know, uh, cosmetics where you can get a different kind of cat. People are modding these things in on Windows anyway, but uh, it would have been such an easy thing to to make some quick a quick buck, but they didn't do that, and I appreciate that. I deeply admire the restraint because there's, yeah. <laughs> there is a moment uh, in the game where there's a little cosmetic flourish that you can get for kind of a completion bonus, and I thought, oh, I love that. That's perfect. That's as much as I want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. about a little cat, mm. um, which doesn't have a name and never really gets a name, which is very 
uh, charming. It's just a cat. Yeah. You're really playing a an ordinary cat. You're not a super cat. You're just mm -mm. a cat. Yeah, just a stray. It's so nice because I came into this game after playing Deathloop. And I must say, I really struggled with Deathloop. I know <laughs> Deathloop has many things that speak in favor of it. I know it's probably objectively a good game, but it didn't really grab me. It mm. was just a little bit too, maybe a bit too cynical. Very cynical. <laughs> very cynical. Yes, it's very cynical. It's it's also, it felt to me always as if it's a little bit like cynical towards its own narratives and cynical towards its own characters. Let me put it to you this way. Its tongue is poking through its cheek. Yeah. <laughs> that game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I totally agree. Stray, on the other hand, though, I, I think from moment one, I, I, my heart was a little bit warmed and I just got the sense that despite the world that it's taking place in, it is genuine and very, very optimistic in a lot of interesting ways. That's exactly the vibe that I got immediately from it. Because after finishing Deathloop, I go into Stray and the first thing is like you have this little cat that wakes up and you're together with like a couple of other cats and you're interacting with them. And immediately I did go like, oh, this is so sweet. So I'm a, I'm a cat owner. I have my cat, uh, Odo, and I played this with him watching the screen the entire time. You mean you're being owned by a cat? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. You, you caught me. <laughs> and, uh, I, I have to say the, the very first, I guess the inciting incident where Stray falls into this world, I, I, my heart was broken right away because of that one shot with his cat friends or her cat friends. It's not really clear the gender of the cat. Uh, looking down and kind of, oh no, our friend has fallen into this pit, into a horrifying cyberpunk world. <laughs> exactly. You pretty easily uh, fall into, well, I guess you should say you fall into the the slums of mm. a cyberpunk city. It's somewhere in the future, and there are no humans in, around anymore. Instead, the entire world, or the entire city in which you are, is inhabited by robots. The city is on lockdown. The sky is just like, you know, simulated lights at the top. It's always dark. And there's this clear class division. There are the, these slums where people like dump their trash and there's a whole culture going on there. And then there's like the higher level uh, where a little bit more elaborate uh, society exists, but also kind of the upper class where the partying's going on, where people live in actual apartments and so on. Not much better objectively than Not the much slums. Better. Yes, no. exactly. And there's a whole story, obviously, for why the city is locked down, why humans are extinct. It has all of these components of cyberpunk, and we're going to go into that in just a moment. So you are then this cat, and you're exploring. Your main goal is just simply to basically get back to your cat friends initially, but um, everything escalates. <laughs> Let me put yes. it this way. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of, you can meow. You can hide in boxes, uh, you can scratch at things and throw things um, off, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just throw things off a, of a balcony. You can get a paper bag on your head and walk this around This is really cool. Yeah, you can, yeah. <laughs> there's, there are paper bags standing around and you can poke your uh, head in there and then the controls are inverted. So you're like a little yeah. bit out of control for a second. <laughs> they I loved it. really put a lot of effort into making this a very organic feeling cat that you're walking around with and very much as a, again as as someone who is owned by a cat uh 
it moves exactly like a cat does. It's very impressive. The, the walking cycles, um, how it interacts with the world and kind of nuzzles up against things or how it bats at things kind of curiously. It's, there's a lot of effort put into making, and, and rightly so. I mean, you're controlling the cat the entire time and it really does imitate what a cat would do. <laughs> it's not, as you said, it's not this fantastical cat. It's not a super cat. It is just a cat. <laughs> it's very charming. It's super hard to get the conduct of a cat right in a video yeah. game. And they made a very smart decision because a lot of the game really has you climbing around and hopping over obstacles. And there is no free jumping mechanic, basically. You can't just jump. Instead, when you look at a ledge and you press X, then the cat leaps over there. And this is a very elegant choice because I found that they had initially, they had like a default jumping mechanic as you would expect it in any other, well, jump and run video game. And they mm. found though that players would often just fall off somewhere and it would look very uncat-like. It would not have this elegance of a cat. So they made it a little bit more almost like you look at a point, you choose to jump there and the jump always succeeds. I also think that it's a smart decision because you are controlling a cat and while you're you're imbuing it with your own you know intent and and you know you're the player kind of controlling this cat through the world it's still a cat and there's this kind of charm to the idea that you you're just nudging the cat in a certain direction but the, it's really the cat's decision at the end of the day <laughs> and isn't that something that we often do as human beings at least i do that mm. we kind of project our human cognitions, our human emotions, and our intents upon a cat, even though we can't possibly know what it is to be a cat, right? And we can't be in its brain. So we kind of just interpret its behavior as if it has a will, as if the cat was, for example, when the cat lazily sits in a chair and we want to sit in that chair, we say like, oh, that cat's a douchebag, you know? <laughs> or it's like <laughs> intentionally doing that to upset us. Yes. Even though the cat might have no such concept of, you know, even upsetting us. Yes. Although somewhere I think there is a Probably bit of judgment does. going on. Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> well, I should say that I, I did a little bit of, after I played through the game, I did a little bit of online research to see what were people kind of saying about the game and what were people's highs and lows with it. Because I'm always interested in how people take games like this, especially after I have a really nice experience with one. And it seems like... There's some, I don't know if you felt this, Stefan, but I, at one point in the game, thought, oh, it would be really interesting if I just go through this entire game without speaking to, any, like, no way to interact with anything. If I'm just the cat, and I'm just, everything is visual storytelling, and there's no communication, and that doesn't happen. There's a, there's a companion that you have who converses with the world on your behalf as the cat, but... I think what you just said, which is we kind of ascribe intent to cats, that's what this entire game is. It's an exercise in that, is, okay, we're, we're attempting to figure out what a cat would be doing or thinking or how they would be interacting, and here's, here's what that looks like. So having this character who communicates with the world and then to the cat, it felt very similar to how I try to communicate with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah trying to say hey man let's uh I, I got some i got some ideas here i don't know if you're going to respond to them but let's try and there are basically two options to interpret that one mm. would be we could technically assume that the cat in stray 
does not have any such intent. And that's, for example, there are sections where you need to sneak around uh, and avoid detection. And in order to do so, you can hop into a box and stay hidden for a couple of seconds. Um, it could We could just interpret that as maybe the cat has no such concept and it just hops into the box because that's what cats like to do. Because they like to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, and this is an alternative interpretation, since you have this companion and this companion speaks to other robots by decoding their language and then speaking to you, does the robot potentially communicate to you in a way that is understandable for the cat, you know? Yeah, and, and and there's a deliberate choice early on where the the robot companion that you have, B12, named after the studio, I think, <laughs> Blue 12, right? Yes. Um, it it's the one of the first robots that you meet that's more of a human-looking robot. So B12 is more of a drone that kind of follows you around, a little tiny robot. But the humanoid-looking robots, the first interaction. B12 deliberately says, oh, I need to translate between, I need to figure out what it's saying. This is what it's saying. So there's a, a wall kind of put up that B12 is communicating via translation, and it's not just one-to-one, -one, which is, a, I think, an important detail for how Stray communicates its story, that there's a level of interpretation that's always going on. That's super interesting, because this, the cat in Stray is really one of the very few, I'm going to say very few, uh, alive organisms in that world that is not a machine and thus would have to communicate in completely different ways. And still, there is a level of understanding that is just so heartwarming. That's where a lot of its charm comes from. That, For example, you go through this gorgeously designed cyberpunk world. It is really beautiful. And you see from a very new perspective because you're, well, at knee's height, really, <laughs> as a cat. And you can, like, kind of sneak up on people. You can purr around their legs a little bit. And oh, I'm saying people. I should say robots. And then the robots, they have, like, a small heart popping up in their display. And it's like, <laughs> you know. It's, it's so interesting because they act just human enough. Clearly, they are humanoid and the story gets into it. But what I love about it is that they don't, they don't know what a cat is because there, as you said, there are no organic organism except for these horrible parasites that live in this world. And so first they mistake it for one of those parasites, but then they realize very quickly it's not one of those. And they just say, well, as long as you don't eat us, we're good. <laughs> and then they, they talk to you, the cat, as if you're just another person, which again... <laughs> As somebody who lives with a cat is very, very true to life where you just say, hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> what are you doing today? What's on your agenda, you know? If you had a little B12 drone that could translate between you and your cat, you'd probably communicate in exactly that way. <laughs> oh, every day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is really sweet. I want to point out also that the uh, game is really smartly designed in cycling through various different gameplay mechanics. Mm. This is one of the things that I found most refreshing about it because a lot of games have the problem that they make you go through great lengths of repetition to get to the fun parts and then they reward you with a cutscene or with a next narrative development for going through the ordeal of playing it, you know? <laughs> it's, it's very rare to me that I get 
as excited for a really well-thought-out and well-choreographed chase scene as I do for a puzzle. And I think the reason for that is that nothing in Stray overstays its welcome. It's a very compact game where everything feels deliberate and it doesn't... <laughs> it's funny that the people come from Ubisoft because clearly they realized, uh, hey, all of this bloat doesn't do anybody any favors. We should just make the game fun and nice for five hours. Exactly. And this is this goes in so many different ways. It's There are sections that are completely linear where you either have like, at one point you're being chased, at another point you have like a brief section where you can kind of kill enemies, I'm going to say that. It's a little bit like a shooting mechanic, but it's child-friendly. Yeah. Uh, then you've got sections where you puzzle around. It's like environmental puzzles where you need to move objects in order to get to an, a higher ledge. And then it cycles that through with small open world hub areas mm. where you can freely explore the areas. You can speak to various different robots. You can even do side quests doing small favors for them. As an example, in the first area, there's a robot sitting on the ground with a like metal guitar. And I'm not, I don't mean metal in the sense of a genre. It's literally like a guitar made of <laughs> old trash. Yeah. And that robot wants to become a musician. So you can go throughout the world and you can collect some music sheets and bring it to him and he will then play like these silly little tunes. Some of them are more, well, enjoyable than others. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, are really funny. I think there's one where he just introduces it by saying, this song has 44 notes in it and it's just nonsense noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But he, he, I think, is a nod to the Japanese musician who's sadly no longer with us, Nujabes, who, if you've ever heard kind of those uh, chill beats to study to, that playlist. He kind of invented that, I'm going to say. Uh, he's, Or at least he's kind of the patriarch of it. And that character, I think his name is Moriskew or Morisk, um, he, he has one song called Cool Down, which is a direct reference to a song called Counting Stars by Nujabes. And I, I love that because the entire time I was listening to the music in the game, not just his music, but the soundscape, I, I thought boy, this sounds a lot like Nujabas and this sort of lo-fi kind of music where it's not intrusive, but it's very catchy and I just, it's perfect video game music. That's true. Actually, I hadn't thought about it that way. I love Nujabas. He tragically died in an accident, um, I think before even his proper rise to fame. Like he yes. was kind of uh, post-mortem, he, he became very well known, I think. And the thing is that the entire musical composition of Stray really stand, stands out to me. This is one of the best video game soundtracks, or best video game scores, I should say, because they're all compositions specifically for that game that I've heard in many years. They yeah. are really fantastic. They got, like, pulsing electronic music while you're walking around these cyberpunk streets. The atmosphere is so wonderfully captured in the musical composition that I, as a musician, can only say, wow, hats off. This is amazing well, i think uh the first thing i heard about stray because when i when i want to play a game and really get into it i think we're both similar like this we don't i don't look into much of it until i play it and the only real information that i had was your thumbs up on the music because you tweeted out this is can we all just take a moment <laughs> to, yeah to appreciate how beautiful this music is it's an incredible not just the music but the soundscape all of the the sound effects 
when you knock something over, when the little pitter patter of your of the cat walking, the the ambient sound of just things moving in the background or at the beginning the rain. It's it's gorgeous. It's a really impressive score for this this little game. And did you notice that whenever you're in a loading screen, at first to me it was a little bit I was a bit confused because it's just like this <laughs> pulsing noise. And then I realized, like, of course, that's a cat's purr that they're playing there. Yeah, he's he, <laughs> it's content. It's Is that amazing? For the next thing. Yeah, wonderful. I I just I love the um the aesthetics of this game. It is I would say quintessentially cyberpunk in how it's designed, and the music is a great complement to it. And the world is so uh, simple, but deceptively complex. I think, which is really impressive for a small game like this. Let's talk about the world and the way it implements the theme of cyberpunk in just a moment. Before that. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we are back talking about Stray. And we addressed several times already that it takes place in a cyberpunk city, a city that's actually on lockdown. <laughs> and there are some other things revolving around this game that we can't really disclose here because it would be a spoiler. But there, let's just say there are some things that hit rather close to home if you just made it through the COVID-19 pandemic or if you're still in it, <laughs> like we are at the moment. <laughs> or, or indeed, if you're living in a capitalist world <laughs> with, 
where corporations seem to control and mess up everything. <laughs> yes. And this yep. is something that I found very interesting because I had heard various different viewpoints on Stray and the way it handles cyberpunk. One that I heard was cyberpunk, uh, Stray depoliticizes cyberpunk. It makes it almost like into a cute little theme park. And while playing through that game, I paid particular attention to that and I wondered what kind of engagement with, with cyberpunk does Stray present to us? I came to the conclusion that it's surely not something... Like, it's not cyberpunk in the sense of Blade Runner. It's no. not cyberpunk in a way that is super grim or that revolutionizes the engagement with cyberpunk in some way, but it does pick up on pretty much everything that makes cyberpunk cyberpunk, right? Yeah, I think that the the argument that it depoliticizes cyberpunk is a really shallow reading of the game because I think it's taking the cuteness of it and not seeing the forest for the trees uh, a little bit because everything is present. There's a mega corporation that's ruined the world. Nekocorp, which is the Japanese term for cat. Excellent. Spelled N-E-C-O because it's it's posing itself as like an uh, an environmentally friendly company where it's anything but. Um, there's uh, a horrifying disease that's ravaging people. Um, there's class disparity. There's a lot of kind of uh, technology that's falling apart, but also kind of also useful <laughs> for people. It, everything's there. There's a city, this this huge city that you're navigating in. This city promised great safety for people. The promise was always, mm. it's going to be a safe place. We're going to introduce total surveillance uh, to make things safe. We're going to enable the city to be completely locked down, completely sealed off from the outside, from the environment. And by doing so, everyone's everyone's going to be safe and fine. And ultimately, exactly that kind of desire for safety eradicated all freedom and eventually all organic life. So it's a very dystopian uh, notion in Stray. I think, yeah, and it's, it's, beautifully, it's beautifully shown to us. And I think maybe where some people are having a disconnection is that the humans aren't in it. The humans are dead. And so in a lot of cyberpunk stories, it's about humanity kind of a big part of cyberpunk is grappling with the influx of technology and often grafting technology onto your person, losing your humanity. That's a big argument in cyberpunk. The further we go technologically, the less of our soul we have as a, as a group. And I think that maybe people think that it depoliticizes it because the humans are gone, but I think it adds a beautiful narrative tinge to it, which is the humans are gone, but humanity isn't. Because humanity is very present in the robots and in the cat and in all of your interactions. There's this, you mentioned at the, at the start, Stefan, that there's not an ounce of cynicism in this game. And I think it's because every, everything feels so genuine because these people, these robots feel like people. They have personality, they have desire, they have um, wants to get out of these systems that are oppressing them, which I think is inherently cyberpunk. Yeah, and the game makes a deliberate, deliberate point of that constantly. For example, you would go around and you would see robots um, enjoying themselves in a bar. They would dance yeah. and they would drink, even though it makes no sense for a robot to do such a thing. So the idea is that 
Initially, these robots, they were developed to be companions for humans. They were supposed to just help humans with their chores, with day-to-day -day life. And there's, there are some that work in this way, that just scrub the streets and so on. And then, as humans disappeared, the robots developed their own kind of societies, and they adopted and started mimicking humans, which is really interesting because not only yeah. do they keep humanity alive which is what you just said i find that such a nice phrase they humans are dead but humanity is alive but also these robots they have their own language to engage with one another and they even develop their own kind of art their own kind of culture they mimic the music of the humans and by virtue of doing so make it theirs they paint the walls in the slums to express the their peril you know it's like yeah it raises at that point and that's where it gets close to something like blade runner an existential question of what really is to be human and it's it's a really great exploration of how that humanity is found through the the navigation of these systems that oppress us a lot of the time so there's class disparity like we mentioned there's ecolo uh, ecological and economical problems in the world of stray and everyone's searching for something or they they have a meaning that they're chasing after i think this is not so much a spoiler as it is kind of an introduction to what we're talking about there's a relationship early on in the game that is depicted as a father and son relationship these two characters truly love each other and they miss each other and when you re reunite them you can tell that all they wanted was to see each other again and i think that's not what we would consider a robotic intent <laughs> for lack of a better phrase so i i really liked that the kind of the the double-edged sword of this world is that systems seem to persist when humans are gone and there's good and bad to that and everything that all the good things that come with systems and all the bad things that come with systems and hierarchies and things like that they're all still present and stray and I, I find that to be a weirdly optimistic look at how humanity deals with itself <laughs> if that makes sense there is a robot for example who's laying on the rooftop looking up yeah. at the closed city ceiling looking up and saying, like, all of these lights, they're basically like stars. How much I would love to see the truth through the real sky or something, you know? Yeah. Like, they're, they're a robot chilling on the ground. Or there's, there's robot watching TV. There, as you said, robots hugging each other. There are other robots who, just like two examples, two more examples, because I find them so adorable. There, there is a robot who paints everything. <laughs> She's like, I'm even saying she, I'm addressing... Uh, the robot in this case has a female robot because she's introduced as such, I assume. And and she they present with genders too. Yes, they these, present with genders. Robots, yeah. And and she's like she loves how to she just paints the walls and she says like, hey, I'm creating a new color. It's called garbage brown. <laughs> it's so charming. And the most important thing I haven't mentioned yet is that the there is a way apparently that they found to grow plants without light because the city is completely locked down so the robots yeah. what they continue to do is they grow and develop plants 
even though they would not be necessary at all, since there's no organic life, the robots don't need plants, you know? So, yeah, for context, the humans developed these plants to grow in very, very low light because obviously yes. this world has no sun. And so it's this beautiful thing where, in fact, I think one one line I really loved it, it was uh, one of the robots talking about the plants says to the cat, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's something that our soft ancestors left for us. It's, you know, it's like a really beautiful thought of of robots loving and missing humans and saying, well, we're going to take care of the plants because they were important to them. And so they're important to us. And it raises the question of consciousness, really, because the question is then, if these robots do all of these things, they do stargazing, they watch telly, they hug each other when they miss each other, they, they miss each other, they go out to party, they drink, even though it makes no difference to them. They dance, even though it's just a waste of energy, really. They grow <laughs> plants. They do all of these things. And that really raises the question, to which degree are they even different then from humans? And that's, I think, where this kind of notion of post-humanism comes in that is often so crucial in cyberpunk narratives. Deliberately, the robots feel more human than the representation of humanity, namely B12. So without getting into too much, B12 is the link to humans. And B12, the little drone that follows you around and translates for you, will often say, oh, I'm glad I don't have any senses. Or alternatively, oh, I miss being able to rest or being hungry. And there's this kind of melancholy with the, the direct link to humanity that the robots don't have. And it's, it's such an interesting exploration of, as you say, like where does consciousness kind of start and where does it become indistinguishable from? What is the difference between a robot longing to see his father and a little drone longing to feel hunger? At the end of the day, I wouldn't say that those are two deeply different feelings, just maybe more intense than one is more intense than the other. Yeah, and what is the difference between a robot and a human, if the robot's conduct is to such a degree similar to a human's conduct. Like mm. you can't tell whether a robot has a consciousness or not, because when the cat cuddles up to it, the robot will be charmed by it. Right. The robot will, there's a sequence where a robot is at a bar and he drinks and he passes out on the table. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it goes to this extent that reminded me of, near automata, where you have kind of, you know, humans are also basically like long gone and robots and androids are fighting a kind of um, representative war, you could say. Yes. And it is in a similar style, only that it's not a war, but these robots kind of perpetuate everything that makes humanity or that they know about humanity and just mimic it and continue at infinitum. But with what purpose? For the glory of mankind. <laughs> For the glory of all mankind. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't exist anymore, though. It's right. like, yeah. it is this notion of um, the creators of robots are dead, which is, of course, an equivocation of God is dead, like this notion of Friedrich Nietzsche. And I feel like this existential point of saying there is no point to this. This is just something we do. This is just something that these robots do just in the way 
that if you want to take it as a reflection on our life, something that we do, because we also don't stray for that big, greater point. Our creator is also dead in the sense that, you know, there is no foundational belief anymore in that we actually are created to serve a purpose. Some people still believe in that, but science yeah. would disagree. Right. <laughs> so, really, we are in a very similar situation to those robots in Stray because we subject ourselves to the same kind of oppression and we go through the same kind of conduct and mimic the same kind of behavior without having a distinct purpose. And I feel like that that's a substantial point that's not necessarily original, but that's very well implemented in Stray because it's made like almost by the by. It's like just fleetingly these points are, are placed in the game without making a big thing out of it, without, you know, basically hitting you on the head. And that's, you, you've hit the nail on the head with that, because I think that's why the argument that it's depoliticized cyberpunk is out there, because it's not cyberpunk 2077. It's not making the point so loudly and deliberately that you can't miss it. I think the beautiful thing to me about it, everything that you just really expertly explained about the robots, I think... It resonated with me so much because we've talked about this before. The idea of an NPC. I had this thought while playing this game. The robots are referred to as companions. And I thought, what a lovely alternative name for NPCs. Because as characters in video games become more fleshed out and we imbue them with more humanity, the further along we get in video game development... I, they feel more like companions, don't they? Not non-playable characters. They feel like people. And I think, what a cool thing for this game about robots to do, which Nier Automata certainly did in a darker way. <laughs> this one, I think, is a lot brighter and more lovely because it's about a cat. <laughs> so you get to see it through a cat. In Nier Automata, you would um, come upon a robot that stands at a cliff and it's just like... Why do I even exist? I want to die. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a super amazing game. It's super smart and it's so much fun, but it's also very dreary. Very, very dreary. <laughs> and, and, and Stray is kind of, it's a little bit more um, tame in the way it expresses it. It's a little bit more subtle in the way it expresses it. Instead of um, putting something like Pascal or Nietzsche or Sartre into the game, what Stray does, it references other kinds of popular culture and media like all the time and it puts a certain charm in there that just makes it a very light and enjoyable game while at the same time though i would say in no way depoliticizing cyberpunk just because it's fun and charming and cute doesn't mean it's not very political yeah you can have a you can have a really nice point without being a, a robot looking over the precipice and deciding to kill itself <laughs> oh God! Yeah, got so wrenching. <laughs> I think one one of the things that uh, that you had brought up, you, you brought this up to me when we were playing it, um, not together, but in in tandem, is uh, this game the narrative of it? You can see it coming from a mile away. What's going to happen at the end? But it still affects you because of how well it's told. And I think that in an age of games that are always trying to give us a twist and pull the rug out from under us. I always appreciate these games where the ending is just earned and nice. 
And uh, I really appreciated Stray for that as well. And sometimes it's more emotionally gripping when it's not the big drama, but when it's just a couple of sentences uttered and that's it. And it, you kind of are left with this sinking feeling and at the same time this tremendous comfort. Uh, without spoiling the ending, it is really well done, I think. Can I, can I ask you this? This is, this is not a spoiler, but I'm very curious to see because I, I know you well enough to know that I, I don't even think I have to ask this question. I bet you sat and watched the big moment at the end. Yes, I did. You're, you're given an option to leave, and I bet you sat and watched, because I did. Yes. And I, yes, I know I did. you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a certain development at the end that you can just hang around for and watch it unfold, and it's basically the aesthetic payoff that, yes. you, that yeah. you get. If you want to. If you are aware, and if you want to hang around. Obviously, I didn't do it while doing the speedrun trophy. <laughs> because, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because you also need to play that game in less than two hours, which is totally possible, which just shows how compact it is. When I, I played it, like, I played it one time through, and then I jumped into different chapters to get the collectibles, which are all very fairly placed, and then I went all the way again to do the, the speedrun, and that was also in itself very enjoyable because, yeah, you don't have any of these like interactions. You just click every every text box away and you just run straight for it. <laughs> I, I think I'm not a big speedrun guy, but I really enjoyed doing that because I think it was kind of developed with that. Obviously it was because of the trophy, but I, it, it didn't feel, it was challenging without feeling cheap. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I respect that. I respect when a game respects me, you know, and yes. respects <laughs> my time because that's exactly the contrast that you mentioned at the beginning when I play something like an Assassin's Creed, when I play many of the Ubisoft games, then it just feels like it wants to bind me to it forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I play something You're like to sound like a Neurotomata robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I play something like Stray, then I know I can engage with it. I can enjoy its world, its characters, its narrative, and it's going to be over, and that's all right because it's one tale out of many other that are out there to experience and it knows that i find that really cool i think it was a very enjoyable game i think a very smart game a very kind and empathetic story as well um and i i think maybe now might be a fun time to talk about all of the fun references that are in stray there are a lot, a lot of, of good ones yeah because yeah. probably uh, they have been developing this game for so long that you would assume that over time they just put more and more little references in there yeah wouldn't this be funny and none of them none of them are uh, obtrusive i think the first one that i that i want to talk about is i actually had this moment with it so two of the characters we've mentioned them already a kind of father and son uh pairing are named seamus and doc and when you meet seamus you he's wearing a an orange vest and he has a bucket hat on that's kind of multicolored. And as I was following him, before you meet Doc, I was following him. I'm like, you know, he kind of looks like Marty McFly uh, with the, the, the clothes. That's kind of cool because I'm a big Back to the Future fan. And then you get to Doc and it is Doc Brown <laughs> from Back to the Future. <laughs> He's got wild wires coming out of his head. He's wearing a lab coat. And then you kind of put together, oh, Seamus, like Seamus McFly from the third Back to the Future movie. 
this is M- Marty and Doc. That's great. <laughs> it's just a fun little nod. And they just did that without making a big deal of it. They just said like, okay, yeah. let's just name the characters that and design them in such a way so that if you get the reference, you get a little bit of an extra treat out of that tiny side story. Yeah, and they're all kind of like that. I mentioned the the musical nod to Nujabis, which was great, and I think totally missable if you if you're not super familiar with Nujabis. But I had caught on to that, even though I listened to a lot of Nujabis records. It listened to it's the stray track is cool down, and the Nujabis track is counting stars, and you can you can hear wow, this is. And the only reason I know that is because while I work, I listen to Nujabis exclusively. So I have all the track names in my head. <laughs> ah, I see. Yep. But uh, there was that. And then my my favorite little kind of tongue-in-cheek one is there is a character named Clementine who is a robot. And at one point, Clementine the robot says, I will commit this to my RAM. <laughs> so Clementine will remember that. <laughs> That's so sweet. Isn't it? Yeah, I just, I, I liked all of those. There's like little ones too, like um, there's a robot named Sojiro, uh, named after the Persona 5 character, and he talks about how he used to own a restaurant, clearly LeBlanc, the restaurant from Persona 5. He also says that he, he owned a restaurant until he took a screwdriver to the knee. Ah, I remember Skyrim that. reference. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember that. I remember chuckling at that. Yeah. And uh, the other one that I found, and I'm sure there's more, but... Um, there is a crowbar on the subway, uh, which is a definite nod to Gordon Freeman in Half-Life. A crowbar? The subway. I haven't found that. It's in the... Uh, when you get to a subway, a train, when it's dark, you can walk up and down the seats and you can see a crowbar in there. Oh, that's so smart. It's. I like that Stray is distinctly aware of video game culture and popular culture that's happening around it, drawing these references, they're always just a nice treat to find. They're not even tied to trophies or such a thing. That's just simply for you to enjoy. And I think that, that to me is the little button on my review of Stray. Immensely enjoyable. I really like this game a lot. I totally agree. I agree with most of the reviews that are out there because this game is really rated like 10 out of 10 on a lot of platforms. Mm. And I would agree with that, especially because it is so so condensed. It's um, it's a small game. It's very well crafted in all of its details. There are only very minor things that annoyed me. Like, for example, I do remember that there were some unfortunate checkpoints where mm. I was just sometimes not aware whether a checkpoint had happened already or it didn't. And uh, then I turned off the console only to find I was reset for quite a bit. Uh, so there are some unfortunate tiny things, but they are really minor. And apart from that, it is the kind of game that you can really recommend to pretty much anyone because it's just going to, for, for most people, it's going to be a brief, enjoyable treat of a video game that will be, um, it will be short, it will be fun and it will be over. And for many others, though, it will be a kind of um, soothing, but at the same time, thought-provoking engagement with a world of cyberpunk from a new perspective. I find that very interesting. I totally agree. And I would say my last, because uh, I, I can't add anything to your review. I think that's perfect. <laughs> I would say everything uh, doubly so. I will say, if you have a cat, play it with your cat, because one of my most enjoyable moments happened pretty frequently where 
My cat didn't respond to the meows, but he responded to the robots talking, which I thought was really sweet. So I think uh, they, they had that in mind when they were developing this, that this is a game that everyone can enjoy, even your cat. Meow. <laughs> oh, is there your friend? Is there a cat in, <laughs> is there a cat in our recording? Thank you so very much for listening. If you want to, then you can, of course, submit your thoughts and questions on studyingpixels.com slash contact. And if you want to support us and help us make this show, then you can get Studying Pixels Plus at studyingpixels.com slash plus. Follow us on the podcast app of your choosing, and we'll talk again very soon. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.